0: My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Real exciting time for sports this weekend. UFC, like, UFC tonight. Bellator last night. Duke North Carolina tonight. Of course, you know I'm gonna roll with the Blue Devils, but um, you know special that yeah, special things going on the show today. Going to so, preview the the UFC card. You no, know, uh, preview the UFC 196 card featuring Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, also. Misha Tate Holly Holm for the Women's Bantamweight Championship. As well as talking some bracket bracketology with 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 my girl and one of my newest friends on Twitter, girl I follow, Miss Audrey Gunther. She'll be on the show a little while in a little while we're gonna talk we're gonna talk basketball for the rest of for the rest of the show. Um, but first off we're gonna jump into the Zana Devotional. Um, and you know how we do and this was actually a really good one. This was from 1 Peter one seventeen and through 21. It goes like this. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to one's work, teach one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. (sighs) That was pretty good right there. But you know, Many churches have erased all mention of the blood of Jesus Christ from their worship services, but the shedding of blood is essential to the Christian faith. Without a sacrifice, no one can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. For that reason, the the Lord wove the story of death, renewal, and reconciliation through like a red thread through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. What do you have if you remove the blood from a body? you're left with a lifeless corpse, right? This is true of the Bible. Scripture would be no more than historical literature if we edited the unpleasant parts regarding animal sacrifice, Jesus dying on the cross, or the power of his blood. God designed the redemption system in such a way that anyone can understand the connection between shed blood and freedom from sin. The Lord detailed instructions for offering a perfect animal sacrifice so that his holiness Would be satisfied. God also wanted his followers to understand that sin brought terrible consequences and resulted in death. The first fatality in scripture was the animal whose skin was used to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness. Every time an Israelite brought a lamb or a pair of doves to the priest, he recognized that the wages of sin is death. God chose a graphic solution to the world's sin problems. Therefore, believers cannot be squeamish about explaining what truly happened at at Golgotha. The words that we choose influence listeners. Jesus shed His blood for you is a powerful statement, which is also the message God repeats throughout His Word. Wow. So, basically, you know, don't take the words the blood of Jesus. For granted, because as we get closer, you're going to need that blood of Jesus. You're going to need that belief. And that's not just belief in yourself, but that's just belief in in everything that's that's going on around you. That's belief in the Bible. That's belief in, in something higher. Just a little food for thought. But we're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back jumping to, jump into the UFC, but before we do that, um, some very, some very sad news to report to you guys, uh, last night, um, an up-and-coming artist, um, uh, lost his life to senseless violence, and again, you know, this all ties into what the blood of Jesus is, um, Atlanta rapper Bank Row Fresh, you know if you if you know him, he's been he's been to the Valley, Alabama area. He's been been doing uh performances all over the Atlanta area, all over the southeast. Um, even did some work with two chains. Uh, he was shot and killed last night and um uh, motors are not known. Um no no one has really Come forward with anything. Other than that, he's he's no longer with us. Um, so, don't take life for granted, and <laughs> you know, just don't take life for granted. But we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back.
1: Put it down like raised on a rule, never love what you ain't got. So I walked by the cold, never talk, at you just not. Took a ride out there real quick, just to find that we all one. Ask God what it means, staying back, never know until it's all done. I'm still up with a glass filled up for the fact that we all one. Caught up in of taste for some peace and the mind. I I got some So I live by the size of the folk I would die with Cause day is mine to give It's one love and one life to live So tonight it's on us For the down like came in by the sea, looked around for the home that she found in the South End. Raised my mom up, same time, serving meals every day just to pay rent. 80 years gone by, Still right here, man, damn it, she love all. It's real talk, she was never alone. Paving the way for the new unknown. That is me, sitting Low up in the ride, cap to the side. All round I see vibes of all types. Made it through the rain, from clouds of all kinds. Through the good and the bad, the people on both sides. Now, when ain't hard to tell you about mine, thinking on world change, I'm thinking it's about time. And born rich or poor, just understand that you can be whatever you ain't for, for real.
0: Welcome to the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Now, we're just going to jump straight into it. UFC 196 is tonight. Gotta love this card. Tony McGregor, and Nate Diaz is the headliner. But I- I'm looking at this card, the main card from top to bottom, and I'm like, this is this is quality all over it. Amanda Nunes, you know, when a women's band and weight contender, is gonna open up the card. She, she's gonna be on the main card for the first time. For the first time, she's gonna fight Valentina Shevchenko, and this is this is this is one of those fights where, you know, Amanda Nunez has has a lot to prove. Um, she's a top, she's a top seven eight contender in the women's bantamweight division, and she's she's looking to further that further that along and. You know, a big win over over Valentina Shevchenko would really do it. Valentina Shevchenko is a Samba Sambo uh black belt and also very good Muay Thai fighter. Um Manda Nunez is a wrestler who loves to take it to the ground, loves to ground and pound, has heavy hands and and can really can really do damage. So it's gonna be fun to see this fight, you know, from a women's perspective. You know, we move on the two light heavyweight fights, Corey Anderson, Tom Lawler. You know, they're they're basically putting themselves into that next tier, into to work themselves into that that top fifteen, that top fifteen. And I just like this fight as well. Corey Anderson, very very nice stand up. Can also can also go to the ground. Good wrestler Tom Lawler, wrestler, power puncher extraordinaire, got one punch knockout power. So does Corey Anderson, but Tom Lawler, you know, can put it all together. He puts it together that tonight. He's gonna, he's gonna place himself into that, into that top fifteen, possibly a little higher, possibly into the top ten. Um, as he is a, he is that cusp of a top fifteen, top ten fighter. So, um, really excited to see this fight. Gian um, Villante, Il- Latifi. I mean, Latifi. If you've never seen him fight, he fights like he's going to war. Gian Villante, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but he can also bomb you with punches as well. So this, all these fights on this card is just is just amazingly. <laughs> amazingly great, great fights, and everybody may wait, uh, which is very, very surprising that everybody may wait for for this card, and this is an important card, as you know, a lot of things could happen between now and the next couple of months. Um, like I said, I mean, these, these, these top these, the three fights, that are on the main card, they're not just fillers. They're they're the real deal, and they may not have the pay per view quality names that you normally see on the UFC pay per view card, but these are fights that could that could shape the light heavyweight division, that could shape the women's uh, band weight division, and also, you know, with Conor McGregor on this card fighting at one seventy, this could actually shape. Three different weight classes. This is shake one forty five. This is shape fifty five. This is shake seventy. This is shake up seventy as well as, um, you know, you look you look at it from that standpoint. So this is this is a very very interesting fight, and I, I'm I'm really liking what I'm seeing, but going back to the co main event, Holly Holm, Misha Tate. This is an interesting fight for me personally because we're gonna see what Holly Holm can do. Can she ride that that momentum that she that she gathered in, in November with the with that knockout win over over Ronda Rousey. This is also a good check time for Misha Tate. This is her third chance at a UFC goal. This is her third chance at at getting that, that spot. Does this open up conversations about the possibility of of a cyborg Holly Holm fight, or a or the possibility of Ronda Rousey jumping back in early, you know, later in the year and, and fighting Holly Holm? But let, let's let's wait on that. But this fight here. Holly Holm, Misha Tate, has all the characteristics and all all the makings of being just a stand-up war. But I think Holly Holm, ha- I think Holly has to do what she did against against uh, Ronda Rousey in their fight. She has to keep the distance. She has to throw the jab, throw the left hand behind the jab. Um, basically, do everything that you did before. You know, you know that Misha Tate is gonna rely on her wrestling. You know that she's gonna rely on on bum rushing, on rushing in and throwing and throwing the rushing strikes as she's coming in and trying to get the takedown down in town. But I think the one other thing that's gonna happen is Holly Holm very long limb for, for Bantamweight. She throws leg kicks, she throws she throws a leg kick, she keeps it on she keeps it standing or she goes to the ground with Misha Tate. That that's a little bit of trouble for her. And Nisha knows this. So if Misha wants to stand up and bang with Holly Holm, she's gonna get knocked out. If Holly Holm gets taken to the ground, she could possibly get herself get herself hurt and get herself, you know, balled down, but she's in a great camp. Uh she's in a great camp in Albuquerque, uh Jackson Winklejohn, which which for me it's probably the best camp out there right now because of the champions that have come out of that camp and the people that actually work that actually are in that camp as well. Like a Frank Mir, who can who's a great Jiu Jitsu guy. Like a John Jones, who's a great wrestler. Um, of course Carlos Condit and and um <sighs> And also, you know, when possible, you may see GSP show up down there. So I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of fighters that, that fight out of that Jackson Winkle John camp that can that can show Holly home the way. She's also got great takedown defense, which makes this fight even that much more better. Much more of an advantage for Holly. Misha like I said, Misha Tate is one of those one of those fighters who can wrestle. She's got nice. She's got nice hands. She's got heavy hands. But the thing of it is, is can she take the onslaught? Can she? Can she take a? Can she take a big left hand or a big left hand or a big right hook from a boxer, from a boxer kickboxer like Holly Holm? That's yet to be seen, and we will see that tonight. So. Uh, can't pick a winner on this fight, but I mean, Holly Holm for me is probably is probably the better fighter. She's probably the more rounded fighter of the two. Uh, Misha Tate's probably is the most is the more experienced of the two fighters. So very exciting to see this fight as well. So um, and then the main event of, of the fight of the, of this card, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz have had, they've had their, their runarounds, especially, especially in the fight game, especially, you know, in the lead up to the fight after, uh, Rafael dos años pulled out of the fight, citing a broken foot. Um, there was a lot of things said, a lot of allegations being thrown around, um, by trainers, by fighters, you know, just to play mental games. And, you know, this Colin McGregor just, yeah, I've never seen him that angry. I've never seen him that feisty before. But at the same time, it's almost as if there's a calmness about him. There, there's something that just makes you think, wow, this could happen. Can he win at 170? That's a good question. You know, I know a lot of the fighters at one forty five and one fifty five are not happy about this about Conor McGregor fighting at welterweight. Not you know, but I admire the guy. I admire a guy who wants to fight. Will fight anybody. Doesn't care who it is. I mean, you have to give him that respect. You have to give him. You have to give him that. I think one of the bigger things is is that. You have top contenders in both weight in both one forty five and one fifty five who are wanting fights. Who are wanting to fight Colin McGregor. And
2: it's it's
0: just a, a fun time to be had. Now I mean I know some people have talked about, you know, some fighters have, have won have called Dana wanted this fight, some fighters have done this, some fighters have done that. But you don't hear about it. Till, till, later in the day. Till you know later, later in the day. So I mean, like, I mean that that's that's all well and good, but at the same time, I mean, what what else do you have? And I do have a call on the line. Nine eight five eight. You want to chime in with me? You're on the air. But I mean, the the biggest part of the, the biggest part of this card is. Can Conor McGregor at 5'9 72 inch reach? Can he deal with the 74 inch reach of Nate Diaz at six foot tall? I mean, I think he can. I think he will. Do I think he wins? Do I think he wins this fight? Of course I think he wins this fight. But can Nate Diaz hurt him and, and, and actually steal this fight from him? Yes. But if Tyler McGregor fights the way that he normally fights with precision with accuracy like he always does i mean he he's not a power puncher he's a precise puncher that's the difference between a lot of these a lot of these big punchers and a lot of these just great boxers um, you you don't see that very often where you got precision and power all at the same time and Conor McGregor can does possess both. Nate Diaz, he's a great, he's a great submission artist, and he can stand up and bang with you. I mean, he can stand up and bang with anybody. And I think that he has the advantage there because of his reach. But if Conor McGregor just fights within himself, you're gonna see a lot of you're gonna see a lot of people saying, "Hey, maybe he should be the next one to fight." The winner of Woodley, uh, of Woodley and um, and Robbie Lawler, you know, I, I would have a lot of fun just watching that fight as well. But the fight that everybody else wants to see, and you know, I, I would love to see that fight. But honestly, I would love to see a Conor McGregor fight a, a fight of Rafael Dos Anjos or a fight of Frankie Edgar, or even or even a a guy like Anthony Pettis or a guy like Eddie Alvarez. I, I just think that, that that's going to happen. I mean, then we all know that there's a couple of fights left on Michael Chandler's contract with Bellator. Will he re-sign with Bellator or will he make the jump to the big time? That's a big question that, that's been had also. But um, I just – just it's just the the possibilities of Conor McGregor, and then then the amount of money that he's gonna bring in tonight. He's almost guaranteed a near million dollar purse, and if that's the case, then he'd be the first million dollar fighter in the UFC. If he if he does get paid a million dollars for this fight, um, we know he got a projected three point four million dollars, which was which was retracted down to like two point one or $2.2 million for his last fight because of the number of buys that he had. So I just think that it's, it's going to be just a good time had by all. I just do. And I'll be talking more about this on my blog and on my Ricky That Was blog, and you'll hear more about it later on. Um, but – we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back, and we're gonna have a special guest online with us. Y'all stay tuned.
2: Oh
1: yeah, we out here. Oh yeah. One mile, one mile. One mile, one mile. Get 'em up, up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, CMG, 2AM crew, what's good? Ben Nation, I see y'all. New York, we out here doing our thing, it just don't stop, right? Not for us. Uh. Thing I've been chasing after Me and Kyle hit the sky like we was falling backwards Went from killing time and climbing down the ladder To coming up with that real. that's my natural hazard Word, we those young men with those sharp minds Going all in, it's no part-time And we taking that cause it's our time Same drive with that new gas And that's old school, just new class Cameras out like flash And we hit the sky with that new cash Words and I've been running for days Ever since I broke up out of the cage Been up and away like par fives, we drive them insane And I leave no trace on a place I fade away Till I made away clean Got the whole world on the case But no matter what, you won't stop my team I'm moving through the city, busy riding deep and Getting stronger by the day, they weak about the a week Competition gets outworked, so it works out fine And every single minute we in it We break limits from 10 miles out You can see us shine, we're good back. affection, trying to manifest these blessings, told them live it to the max so I ain't never feeling less than. these haters trying to question will he make it, is he destined I told you I'm the truth, a living walking confession, I ain't lying I ain't boasting, I'm just striving I'm just hoping that I'll find an
2: opportunity and that a door will open so I never pay attention when they tell me that I'm chosen cause I know I'm far from famous
1: even though they know I'm blowing up took a while, but they know when I'm rolling up, people doubt Always ask me how, but I'm sure enough That I'll be the greatest that my town has ever seen Be the one to pick them up when they're down
0: Like a towing truck Working, yeah, I'm working Put my team on, that's for certain I swear that's the naked truth Hiding behind those shower curtains I managed to keep it
1: clean Making music without cursing Now I'm answering the system Watch me do it like a surgeon That's for certain
2: i
0: Welcome back into the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Very excited to have this special guest on. She's she's a college student at the University of West Virginia. She's also uh, a resident blogger and also um, a woman who loves some basketball. Loves the Big Twelve as well. Um, Want to introduce you to Miss Audrey Gunther. Audrey, how are you today?
3: I'm great. How are you guys?
0: Doing great, doing great. Now, I mean, we just gonna jump right into it. I mean, the the NCAA tournament is about ten to fifteen days away. A lot of conference tournaments have gotten started this weekend. A lot of a lot of final conference games are being played this weekend. What do you see? the landscape of college basketball this year. I mean, it's been crazy with number ones falling left and right.
3: I love it. Um, um, Yeah, like you said, it's been nuts, and I think this March Madness is going to be something really special just because, there, in my eyes at least, there isn't one definitive number one team. I think Kansas being number one right now, I mean, like you said, I go to West Virginia, so I can argue I don't necessarily think they deserve the number one spot right now, but then again, who does? It's been absolutely crazy, and I think once tournaments start winding down, we're going to definitely see who wants to be a number one seed, and I think even right now, like, um Rectology is changing every day with who is the number one seed, and that's something you don't see every year, so it's definitely going to be a special year um in terms of March Madness.
0: And I would agree, and, you know, uh, these first four in and these last four out, they, they change like we change underwear. Crazy. It changes yeah, daily, it's not. and I think that one of the bigger things about this March Madness is, is that you see the the usual mid-majors struggle this year because of depth, and not only depth, but because of the scholarship limitations, which makes it that much better. I mean, you look at the Wichita State who's struggling and they got eight losses on the season, and then you look at Gonzaga who has six losses on the season. And you look at the usual like the BYUs of the world who are struggling with you know, in within their conference. So, I mean, what what can you what can you say about that?
3: I think like with those conferences, you kinda especially with um a great example I think is Mamas with the Mac. Like, you kind of see where the recruiting spikes where they have like when BYU and Gonzaga were like Hot teams in the tournament in Wichita State, and I think you can see that they're kind of cycling down just because they're having issues recruiting. Um, Sienna and the Mac used to be a team that was pretty well known. I'm from Albany, New York, and I used to always like see them either make the tournament or come or become pretty pretty close. Sorry, like they were always a team that um, was on everybody's radar. So I think that happens a lot. Like George Mason, there's always kind of I want I don't want to say no name teams, but there's always teams in the smaller conferences, non-power conferences, they're just kind of cycle through recruiting. Um, so, with, yeah, Wichita State and Gonzaga are both struggling, which I thought Wichita State would be a little bit stronger this year. But, like I said, I think they're just kind of have, seeing the recruiting issues and seeing good players leaving and not being able to fill that void.
0: Yeah, you know, and speaking of Albany, speaking of Albany, New York, and speaking of Siena, I mean, the other school in Albany, UAlbany, uh, has – been the class of the city of albany new york this year which is surprising to me because you haven't heard much about them since they've made the jump to division one basketball
3: yeah um well they have right now they have i believe Pierre Houli. he's um their big guy right now a senior from australia and people will recognize that name because he um i believe i want to say it was his mom his mother or father passed away right before um U tournament started that conference tournament, and he actually made a huge three and like dedicated it to family member, and that's like where he got on ESPN I think for that and that or that was right around this time last year actually. Um, I I just looking it up March nineteenth, so that's how people that's like where a lot of people recognize U Albany from. But yeah, they've been pretty quiet. Um, I think they're actually leading their conference right now. Like they have a somewhat decent chance of making the tournament, but. They normally they don't really do too far. Neither does Sienna. I mean, they almost beat UConn one year, but they normally get knocked out pretty quick.
0: Right. I mean, Sienna did have a pretty good run a few years back, where they made they made it to the Sweet Sixteen and lost in the Sweet Sixteen, if I'm not mistaken, if I if I remember that correctly. But uh, yeah, I, I mean think
3: that was in like late 2000, like 2009, I want to say. i uh, yeah, I, um,
0: I, I want to say that was as way, as well. a while back. <laughs> um.
3: Yeah, I mean they haven't done too much right now. Like I said, Mammoth has definitely taken over the Max this year, which is cool. They they definitely become America's team in terms of
2: definitely, popularity. Definitely.
0: I, I would It'll definitely agree with that. Now
3: I'm I'm really excited to see them actually like how far they're gonna go in the tournament, just because they have this reputation of being such a giant killer, but. I mean, they kind of, once the conference play started, they, cause just because they don't really play anyone too competitive in their conference, they kind of drop down. But they had a great beginning of their season.
0: This is very, very true. And, you know, I hope that, you know, these these preseason tournaments like the Maui Invitational or the Great Alaska Shootout or even, you know, the 2K Sports tournament that usually happens, the, the Coaches Against Cash Classic. Classics, I wish that some of these some of these tournaments would look at schools like Monmouth and look at schools like like the Siennas of the world and have them play there, you know, or to say Jos. oh yeah definitely. I mean, I, I wish that you that you would see more of that. I mean, even though the Maui Invitational has always been consistently strong with big name opponents and plus Seminole it is, really doesn't make sense not to have ai don't want to call them a minnow but to have a school with less popularity to be a part of that but who knows
3: yeah I think it'd be cool just to see some of the smaller schools because I mean even like just so people know who they are because Lama's kind of came out of nowhere um, in terms like people like once they be once they started beating big teams, and like once they started beating Notre Dame, people were like, w- "Who is this team?" And it happens mm-hmm. every year. There's always one team that just comes out of the woodwork, and like those are the teams that get people. Once it's time to make brackets, so it'd be great. It'd be great exposure for the teams, and it'd be great exposure for college basketball fans just to see what these smaller teams can do.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, let's let's, let's jump into your into your bracketology here. I want to hear who's going to be your first four in and your your last four in and your first four out.
3: Oh boy, let me think about this for just a minute. Um, <laughs> definitely, the first, my first four in is first choice is Saint Bonaventure. I think that they're always they always fly under the radar, but they're just they have quality wins and I think you, enough pe- like people just don't recognize that. I mean they always they have they always have a, a decent amount of wins. They just beat Dayton, who a, another team that does well. Um, they're, they're fourth in the A10 right now, right, right, be, right behind Dayton. So I think that they they're definitely my one of my first four. in. UConn, I think UConn's had a quiet good season. I mean, you don't hear too much about them anymore just because they're not in a power conference really anymore. Right, but. I mean, they're still a good team. They can still recruit, and Kevin Ollie is a great coach. It kind of—I mean—I feel bad just because they're so under the radar, because he is a
0: great coach. And I definitely agree. I mean, I don't know about UConn, any of the other UConn athletics programs that's as strong as the basketball program. And I wish some of these top five, these Power Five conferences. Would look at bringing in a UConn, like a case in point, the Big Twelve. I mean, you have an East Coast, you have a East Coast team in West Virginia, in the Big Twelve. Why not add a UConn to that mix well, as well? I mean,
3: they. I mean, I agree they need to expand the Big Twelve, but Big Twelve is also still really football focused. Like that's what happened with UConn when the whole Big East broke up is that they were attempting to develop their football program, but no but it wasn't good enough for any of the power conferences to take them in.
2: Oh, this so, is like, true. They kind
3: this of is just, true. They kind of got, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but they kind of just got the short end of the stick there. I mean, their basketball program is so historic, men and women, just so good, so historic. And my, it's the same situation with Kansas. I mean, why do you need to have a football and basketball program? If you're really good at basketball, just keep investing in that. That's what brings in the money. That's what brings in the fans.
0: This is true. And, you know,
3: with Kansas, I think
0: with the Big 12, like you said, being very football-focused here the last few years and not being that balance-focused conference like they've been, um, especially with uh, women's and men's gymnastics, uh, baseball, and now women's basketball. I mean, if you look at Baylor and in Oklahoma and the Oklahoma states of, of the women's the women's world and Texas, you kinda you kinda don't see that balance anymore. And I think that's that's got a lot to do with Commissioner Bowlesby wanting to make wanting to make sense of him having a Tim team, team conference and saying this will work when in reality it really doesn't. No,
3: I think especially for the Big 12, 10 is just too small of a number. They need to look into expanding, but getting other teams with the football component is hard, especially at the level that the Big 12 is.
0: Right, right. And, again, I mean, we've had this conversation before. You really think, I mean, I, I think that the Big 12 will get five, maybe six in into the tournament. Yeah. And
3: I I agree with you there.
0: And I also think that the Big Ten and the SEC may put in five, maybe six teams. I think the I think the SEC may even put in a seventh team if if uh Ole Miss actually goes through the tournament the SEC tournament and wins out. I think that they'll they'll sneak their way in. But I really think that the Big 12 is the class of of college basketball this year. I think they'll get the most in. I think the Big 12, I I think the Big 10, the SEC, and the the Pac-12 will get a multiple number of schools in. But I don't think – I think it'll be at the expense of a school like Gonzaga or a school like – I mean, if you look at Butler and what they're doing, I think Butler, if they don't win out, I, I think that they won't make the tournament as well. So.
3: I agree. I think the Big East is also tricky because I think if another team besides Villanova, um, Xavier, and Thieton Hall should go in, I think it should be Providence over Butler.
2: So this is true.
3: Chris Dunn's having a great year, and Providence in general is having a pretty decent year. I mean, I think – I don't. It's it's crazy because at one like at one point when the number one seeds were changing on bractology it was two Big Twelve and two Big East with Villanova, Xavier, and then Oklahoma and Kansas. Which, right? I mean, I the I don't know. The Big East is a good basketball conference, I guess, but I don't think it's good enough to have two number one seeds. But
0: definitely not. I mean, definitely not.
3: Yeah, I think a two seed for Xavier is perfect but yeah like like you said i think the big 12 definitely has shown this year that they deserve to have the most teams in but also like we talked about just with last year's collapse the big 12 with bracketology i think that that's going to make people a little wary but i also think that this is a completely different like group of players i know just speaking from a west virginia student and fan standpoint like our team this year is a completely like is on another level than what we were last year with Jason Page and completely stepping his game up and
2: taking right.
3: where he needed to. Um, freshman Issa Ahmed just coming in and completely perf- over-performing, like from a, a true freshman coming in and being able to start and perform like that. He's probably the best recruit that we've had in like 10 years. So just, I, I mean, agree. from that, yeah. Oklahoma is also completely another level. They're just lo- lo- loaded, like no other words to describe it. They have so many assets. Um. And then you have teams like – like, the Big 12 is just such a dogfight. It's crazy. Like, you have teams like Texas Tech that can beat Oklahoma but then get blown out by West Virginia when West Virginia lost twice to Oklahoma. Like, it's it's nuts. And it's going to be really hard to determine who gets in, I think. But I think Texas Tech is going to be oh, – back to, like, my first four in and out, I think Texas Tech is going to be um, in my first four out, actually, just because they have peaked a little bit and then have they've been dropping off
0: uh I would agree. I would agree. And, and and you know, when you put when you put the last the the first four out, I think you have to throw Florida in there. I think Stanford, even though Stanford's had a solid year, I don't think that they've had the year that they should have with the recruits that they that they brought in. Um also Alabama if they can make it to at least the semifinals of the SEC tournament, I'll put them in as an at-large. But for me, I think they're first four out as well.
3: Yeah, I, would, I agree with you there. I just – I also just hate Alabama. Like, <laughs> and I would just like them to not be in, like, one college sport. Like, so um, – I think what do you think about LSU? I think that's a team that Ben Simmons is incredible, but I mean, like we've talked about before one player can't right. carry a team and you're seeing that with LSU. Um I think that honestly like the SEC is a lot weaker than it normally is. Kentucky is not as good as they normally are and if LSU can make a run in the tournament and win, I think that they could do fairly well in the NCAA double A depending on what path they take.
0: I mean for me, if if LSU does make the tournament, there'll be a nine or ten seed for me.
2: Yeah. Maybe
0: maybe sneaking in the eight, but I think that they'll play out west. I don't think that they would be in the east or or the Midwest. I think they'll I think they'll go out west and play a team like a like a I mean I I'll, I almost want to say like a Seton Hall or. Yeah or Iowa State, I mean, like, they could play, you know, some uh, someone fairly big pretty early. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's just going to be the way that the brackets shake out.
3: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, being I think being a 10 seed is tr- tricky, like 10-11. Those are where you see those upsets. But, right. I mean, but those are where you see those upsets, so... I mean, I I just think it's crazy that people are completely counting them out already. I mean, they're fourth in the SEC right now, and they're like their SEC is on track to be to have five teams go into the tournament. So,
0: I I would agree. And you know, with your first, with your last four and your first four out, who would be your one seed going into this week before we have any more upsets?
3: My number one, like, for the AP poll? Oh, well, number one for the
0: AP poll and your number one seed in the tournament as well.
3: Honestly, I think Oklahoma. I think for both. I think that Kansas being the number, I don't know, like, there's just something about Kansas. I just can't, like, this team is very average to me in terms of what I've seen other Kansas teams be in the past. But I think that Oklahoma is a more elevated team. I think that they can put the pieces together and make a better run in the tournament than Kansas can.
0: You know, and, and I would agree. We haven't seen this level of Oklahoma team since the Griffin brothers left a few years back. And we haven't seen the Kansas team be a Kansas team really since the Wiggins left. Yes, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I would I would agree with that as well.
3: So, I mean, I,
2: mean, it... I think – I'm
3: sorry. Go, go. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I'm just like – I'm looking at the AP right now. I think – I mean, Michigan State has th- had a really, like, I mean, quietly good season. You haven't heard too much about them, but they're performing and they're doing what they need to do. Villanova and Xavier, like I said, I just don't know if the Big East team is the best team in the country. And I love Villanova. And – and, I like, I really do. I love Jay Wright. I love Villanova. I love the, this whole – this team this year is really special. But I just don't know if they're the number one team in the country. And then UVA, whatever, UVA. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, yeah. The ACC is also – like, the SEC is pretty um, weak, I I think. I mean, Duke's not doing too well. UNC's doing, doing – I mean, UNC's doing fine there, but – I don't know. Was, I think the ACC is a lot weaker than it normally is, and I think that big, like the Big East and the Big 12 have kind of stepped up their game in terms of being the stronger basketball conferences and the Big Ten. but... I, I
0: would I, agree. I, mean, I would definitely agree. And then you... I think, then, you know, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Oh, no. You're fine. I just... I think Oklahoma has quality wins, and I've just seen... Just seeing them play in person, really, they're just on another level. I think they're... I know, like, they've kind of fallen off a little bit towards the end of the season. But honestly, what Big 12 team doesn't, it's really tough to finish strong because our conference, our, our strength of schedule from the Big 12 is insane. Like no matter what, you're facing tough teams.
0: This is very, very true. And then, you know, you look at some of the, some of the records, you know, among the top 10. I mean, you have some schools with, with four five, six losses. So, I mean, I think that college basketball Is strong across the board in a sense, but if you break it down from conference to conference to conference, it's no one, not one conference is much stronger than the other in a sense, but it's, it's really hard to say what conference is stronger than the other because those bell cows in those conferences the bell cows that they normally are.
3: Yeah, exactly. you This year, especially, you've seen a lot of teams that care, that normally wouldn't take on these roles as, like, the power teams in the conference, like Texas A&M and the SEC. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: that's Kentucky's territory, and they just came in and completely took over, which is great. I love it. Like, I personally really enjoy seeing the conferences switch up in terms of teams that are just, better than other teams like I love that Duke is terrible not terrible but I love that Duke is underperforming this year
0: you know and Duke with the recruiting classes that they brought in the last couple years I think what's hurt them is a lot of these players have been one and done at Duke here lately sure and I I think go ahead
3: sorry you go no I keep cutting you off I feel bad
0: no you're fine you're fine (laughs)
3: I think if you – even, like, if you look at a mock draft for this year, it's, it's like, all freshmen. It's not And I think I, – I've always thought this. I think that to compete in the NBA, it takes a very special freshman to come out and go from college to the NBA. But I think, like, you really do need time to develop your skill set as a player and your maturity. I mean, you're, like – if you look at well, – and everyone who's listening from Sources is about to hate me right now because they're all from Boston. If you look at Marcus Smart, um, and when he played at Oklahoma State, he was just – he couldn't keep his emotions in check. And that was something where he kind of came off as, like, a wild child where he'd be throwing chairs and pushing fans and all of that. I think him staying an extra year in college definitely helped him as Celtic. Because I wouldn't – I mean, like, um when he pushed that Texas Tech guy for whatever the reason You're right,
2: right,
3: was, right. yeah. I, if he did that in the NBA, it would have been "Mouth and House Part two. Like you can't, you can't do that in the NBA. I mean, you can't really do it in college either. But I think like him staying and helped him elevate his game and made him the great player that he is. And he's doing so well on the Celtics. I think I wish more players could appreciate like college, like and being in college and using that as just like a place really just to develop as a player.
0: You know, and. In- I wish that college basketball had the same rule that college football
2: has. Oh, yeah. Where,
0: you know, you have to stay in school or you have to, you know, be out of college, what, three years and then go. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think there needs to be a rule with that in college basketball as well. I mean, because you see some of these kids come out, and they're definitely not ready to come out. Like a Ben Simmons, I think that he's maturity level. I think he's there, but developmentally, he's not there. And it's the same with Sky Sky, uh, from from Kentucky. A lot of people are saying that he should go this year. I don't think he should. I mean, he's had a down year. I mean, he needs to develop more, especially – at a point guard position, I mean, where you have to be smart, where you have to be that guy to care, not really to carry the team, but to be the general on the floor, to be the extension of the head coach. Yeah. So I mean, that—that—that's that, just the gist of it, you know.
3: Yeah, and there's also like not exactly a point guard shortage, or like I think that they're just jumping the gun, thinking that if they stay in college, it's gonna like hinder them. And, I mean, in some cases it does. If you look at um, WVU's Juan State, and his – I mean, he stayed his senior season, and he put up better numbers when he was a junior, and I think that that definitely hindered his draft stock stock a little bit. But I don't think it was enough for him to regret staying his senior year. And I understand the injury aspect, like um, with Carl Joseph, he – I mean, like, he – I don't know. I haven't really been too, like, watching the combine too much, so I don't know how well he's doing. I know he's doing um, pretty well. But, like, I I know, like, him completely, like, destroying his leg, that, that's obviously not something he anticipated when he stayed at senior season instead of declaring for the NFL draft. But, exactly. I mean, that's just the risk you have to take. But it's also, like, you could go in and if you're not – like we said, if you're not developed, then you're just going to fail. There's pros and cons to both of them. I just think that players don't really necessarily look at, like, all the pros of staying in college for at least an extra year.
0: And here's a a good question for you. If you're looking at the freshmen now who should stay in school as opposed to leaving and entering a draft, if you could just say to those guys, something to make them change their mind and let college basketball be your guide, let education be your guide, not the other way around, not the lure of money. I mean, how, how can, how can we do that but not discourage them from going out?
3: Yeah, I think there definitely needs to be a balance where they're not being discouraged and feel like they're not good enough. I don't think that's it at all. I think Ben Simmons, for example, is an incredible player. He's dynamic. I think he could do well if he declared now. But I just think, like, I think that they need to see players like Jason Page, who in the offseason completely, like, went from the guy who came off the bench to our leading tour. like, those mm-hmm. stories happen if you put in the time and if you just don't focus on going to the draft right away. Like Ben Simmons is going into the NBA. You know, unless something cat- catastrophic happens, he's going into the NBA no matter what. So why not wait a year and just make yourself better? And that way you can do better in the long run.
0: I, I would definitely agree. And I wish that alums like the LSU alums, like the Shaquille O'Neal's and, and like the Stromile Swifts of the world, you know, would just actually just sit down and talk to this, talk to this kid and be like, hey, you know, we see little things that you could work on, and you can't work on those on the fly in the NBA. You can do it here in college because you still got that balance between schoolwork and and actual courtroom work. I mean, it, it's just a it's just something that that should be instilled in in some of these guys who have. Gone early and try to establish and pass on to these other kids who are going out and listening to other people when they really shouldn't.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think that a lot of it is listening to the wrong people too. Like, I mean, if guys like Marcus Smart could take, could, I mean, I don't know how possible it be, could just like talk to the like the friend, the one and done, the freshman, and just say it's like, hey, like I'm doing fine and I stayed an extra year, and he even like he had such a rough like PR year in terms of just being a head case and he's fine now and he's doing what he needs to do and he's leading the Celtics and it's great.
0: I mean, and, you know, speaking of, speaking of like players and I mean, you can also look at coaches in this standpoint as well. I mean, some coaches just aren't suited for the pro game and some coaches they've groomed themselves to be ready for a pro game. Like, like Stevens at at the, with the Celtics. I just think that he's just a good fit for Boston. To be honest with oh, you, oh
2: definitely. He,
0: I mean, I would love to see him back in the college game, but it's just something about Brad Stevens as a coach and Brad Stevens as a pla as a person that you just you root for him every time you see him on the field because or on the court, in this case. Me being a football guy, I'm thinking football field, but <laughs> <laughs> on the basketball court, I mean, Brad Stevens is, I mean, he he's got that kind of mentality, and I think a guy like Tom Izzo would be a great professional, be a great NBA coach, but it's just the lure of the college game is just wanting to educate young men. I think that that's what makes college basketball and all of college sports that much better
3: oh definitely I think even like um I don't I'm sure you saw it like the UNC senior night Marcus Cage's whole um thank you to UNC and to Roy Williams just that's like why I love college basketball as corny as that sounds you get to see these players I mean not as much anymore with one and done but you get to see these players really develop and, and change into like just all, like um like like I said with I'm a Villanova fans, so um, Archie uh, Ryan Archie Diacono, Um yes. I watched him as a freshman, and he when he was a freshman, he was a very selfish player. Took any shot that he could, missed more than half of them. I mean, he he was like kind of like a wannabe Steph Curry. He just uh, like constantly just trying to make these monster threes that were just not. But. I mean, nobody can make them. And seeing him just develop into a really talented, um, unselfish that like player has just been – I mean, like, I like almost teared up thinking about it just because he's graduating. I was like, oh, like, this was, like, the last group of seniors I really followed before I started – before I went to West Virginia. So right. you know, seeing those kind of players develop is awesome. And I think, like you said, it does, like – being a college coach, you do have to invest that, like, personal aspect into it, just kind of because you are dealing with kids. So you have to invest, like, that they're kids and they're going to have – they're going to grow up and they're going to need guidance and i think that's why there's like not everyone can be a college coach. I almost think it's a little bit more difficult just because you throw in that aspect.
0: I I would I would
3: definitely
0: I mean it, it, it's just myself if i was in that in that area of coaching and wanting to coach i mean it just seems like you would want to develop kids and not groom groom them like you do in professional sports. It's the development side of it that just makes you. I think it gives you more joy or more solace in a in a in a sense. If you think of if you think of it that way. Yeah.
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh. I mean, I'm sure Roy, Roy Williams slept great that night after. Their senior night, but even so, like it just—it's gotta be like I'm like raising a kid almost, like just seeing them and being able to send them off and know that you did a good job and did everything good for them.
0: I mean, and, 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 you know, it's, we it, it, we also talked about the one and duns. We also talked about great coaches, you know, that have made the jumps, you know, to the NBA. You know, Fred Hoiberg, you know, of my Bulls. I mean, I'm a big Bulls fan. Chicago born, so I mean I'm a big Bulls <laughs> fan. So I mean with those guys that he has there and then you look at what he left in the cupboard at Iowa State with George with George Niang and um the guard uh actually slips his name slips my mind right now. But yeah, those I, two guys I know you're and, and those two guys, I mean those are guys who could have come out two years ago, but they decided to stay just to develop and make themselves better, especially George Nyang. I mean, he could have came out last year.
3: Yeah. Well, even I think uh, Buddy Neal could have come out a while. He's a senior. I think a lot of people Ooh. forget about that. Yeah, like, this come is out. Um, And I think those are like – um. I just wrote a piece for for, for, for Sources because I'm a Sixers fan, so – I mean, my life is just mm-hmm. depressing, but um, just advocating for looking for when I know Ben Simmons is going to be the first draft pick no matter what, but if they could kind of look and just see like, you know, it might be better to go with the player who did four years and is developed and is mature and played with more players and just like the other thing with Ben Simmons and with one and guns is he play one. Like one season of college basketball, that's like barely scratching the surface of term, in terms of like players and playing against different teams. Like especially this year with a weak SEC, I don't think I don't know how he's going to be able to compete with M, with NBA players. If that makes sense, uh, so I think like
0: I, I don't think he will. I mean, yeah, I don't like think I, he will. I mean, you look I at mean, you look at Uncle Four now as opposed to him yeah. last year. I mean, the ACC. I mean, Admittedly, was weak last year, so I mean, you got I mean, you got a great point going, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just I just Sorry had to you. throw that in.
2: Well, I mean,
3: Okafor not having a bad season; just the Sixers are so bad. It's like actually, both Ben Simmons at LSU, like he averages like you can't just carry your team, especially at the NBA level. So, oh. I mean, and if Ben Simmons is going to Philadelphia, he's gonna be in the same boat again and I think it's just gonna turn into like a Kentucky situation where you have all these really good players but they're only like but they don't have any experience playing with each other and it's just gonna be great guys doing their own thing because they can't like work well as a team.
0: You know a guy like I mean, you look at the Kentucky squad from last year, uh, Carl Anthony Towns,
2: um oh, really so Carl Hard <laughs>
0: You know, you look at guys like that who stayed in school two and three years, and you see them develop into these just amazingly gifted guys who are helping their team in some ways. And like Willie Stein is not getting the minutes that he got in in college basketball, but he's getting valuable minutes because – He's a – I mean, I wouldn't call him a developmental case, but I wouldn't call him a ready-to-start a ready kind of guy either. I mean, if that makes any yeah. sense.
3: No, that does make sense. I mean, I mean, not everyone can start in the NBA. That's why – like, they need depth. They need depth. Wow. They need guys to come off the bench. <laughs> so, like, I mean, college, college and the NBA both need that. And that's, like – I think that's a huge thing in both. If you don't have a good bench, then, like, you are, like, I don't really understand how you're supposed to be able to compete. I mean, like, I know when um, Jackson Miles got hurt for WVU, we had guys that could take over, and we even, like, if Devin Williams right now is kind of, um hit, I don't want to say hit a wall, but he's just not performing to the caliber he was earlier in the season. We have guys that can come in and fill that void, or at least, try until that point and I don't think a lot of NBA or college teams really have that so
2: you know, I mean if he
3: can come in at key points and do what he needs to do off the bench so good for him I mean he can I'm sure if he if he works and develops a little more that he could potentially be a starter but
0: I, I, I would you know you can count probably in on one hand both college basketball and professional basketball the bench support for each team. I mean, I, I would venture to say that there. I mean, combined college and pro, there's about eight to nine teams, maybe, that has depth. And yeah, it's not. I- it's not really. It's not deep, but it's not. But it's where. It's energy. I guess that's a better way of putting it.
3: Yeah.
2: No, and I think it's
3: something that's undervalued, that's underappreciated, I guess, or valued. Like, I think that's really important, especially with March Madness and, like, these tower conferences. Like, this is what happened with the Big 12 last year that beat themselves up trying to get to the, their tournaments and then are hurting when it comes down to March Madness and they don't have players that can come in and relieve their starters.
0: I think the word that comes to mind when we talk about the power conferences is cannibalization.
3: Yes, that's a great word. That's a great way to describe it.
0: I mean, if you I mean if you look at it from that standpoint, because top to bottom, you have in each con- well, each Power Five conference, you have that. Four that top tier four or five, then you have that mid tier three or four, and then you got that that just the bottom feeders. And yeah. this year you're starting to see some of the bottom feeders rise up over these guys who've been in the big dance number of years, and it's just it's it like like you said earlier, I think. It's it's just exciting to see it. I mean, it's exciting to talk about, you know, in a way. And this is just a great conversation to have. And you know, I I can only imagine what what the NCAA tournament is going to bring. I can I can just only imagine.
3: Yeah, and people and I know people say that every year, but this year is like. What we've been talking about this whole conversation this year is different just because, like you said, the bottom seeders and like even not even bottom but like mid, like those mid-level teams are just coming up and doing well and con and consistently doing well. Um, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be awesome to see. And I think that like I think that the Big East and the Big Twelve are both gonna do really well. But I think you're gonna see the like the SEC the SEC and um Pac-12 teams come to play too. Like I, I mean I don't know if it's just because I live on the East Coast, but I feel like no one ever talks about the Pac twelve. Like as a power I mean, conference for basketball.
2: And
0: you look at I mean you look at the schools that that are that are in there and you look at Utah. You look at Arizona and,
3: and Cal. Cal Cal's having a pretty Yeah,
0: Cal, exactly and and even Oregon if you want to put Oregon in, in that in that equation as well. I mean, these are schools that are probably going to be solid three, four, five seeds in the tournament, no matter what region they go to, in a sense. I mean, because you can easily pencil in a Cal or a, a Oregon into a three or four seed, you can easily p- put a Utah in as a three or four seed depending on what region they go to or what part of the bracket they go to. So I mean I, I I'm really I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Good. I really I mean I really am. I mean getting goosebumps talking about this because it's like <clears throat> wow <laughs> Wow, I mean, I, think, I got
3: a big old smile on my face too. I think it's funny too. I don't know how much you look at um like Joe Landari's trackology, bracketology, but I'm looking at it right now, and he has Utahs at six, and I think that's pretty low. I mean, low, they could yeah. definitely go. They could go higher. Arizona's at a four right now. I think that's a pretty good fit for them. Even like, like um, Colorado is in the Pac-12. They're here at the ten seed. Like they have. a Decent amount of teams that are going to make the tournament and that have been doing well all season that I think people just forget about because like the Pac-12 isn't a traditional power basketball
2: conference.
0: I mean, the only real powers that you have, excuse me, is a power like like Arizona and UCLA. I mean, because those are the two schools that have won really won national championships. Yeah, that's
3: funny because UCLA isn't even that. Like well regarded right now, they like not compared to what they were like. They historically not. I'm not knocking the program historically because what they were able to do is awesome, but they're just not at that level right now.
0: And I would agree. I would agree. I mean, and, but, and and again, I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at the bracketology. Actually, this is from yesterday. I mean, you have his first four. I mean, his first four in is is so. It's crazy to me because I mean you have you have a you have Wagner I mean you have Connecticut and Oregon State playing in a play in game you have Michigan and Saint Bonaventure playing in a play in a play-in game where those who where those four schools could just be in on their own merits I mean especially Oregon State with the quality yeah. that they've had, you know, with the with a big win over Utah, with the win over Arizona, with two wins over Arizona State and the win over over UCLA at UCLA. So I mean you you kinda you know I I I agree yeah. with what he's got, but I don't agree with, with where he has the play in the two play in teams.
3: I think that's funny because you have Teams like Monmouth, who had quality wins earlier in the season, but haven't really been able to. And I know, it's, like we said, it's not their fault that they're in conference play, but they've had bad conference losses, and they're in as an 11. And I get that's just because they're going to win. They're they're going to probably more than likely win the I Again, that's why they have to be in there. But there are like, it just it is kind of suck just for the teams that have the quality wins and could do well in the tournament that aren't going to get in just because. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to find – like, just because Chattanooga is going to win their conference.
0: This is true. This is very true.
3: And But I, they need that balance, though. Like, I get that. It's just – it's interesting. I don't know. I don't think they should expand it anymore or anything either. But it does – there are always teams that should be in that aren't going to. And
0: then, you know, he's got the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the, the – wow. He's actually got the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the ACC – schools that'll have seven schools in, whereas... I don't know. That. Sorry, I, mean, I, 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 mean, I don't think that the Pac-12 is going to get seven. I think they'll get five, maybe six. I think the Big 12 uh, yeah. may get five, maybe six. I think the Big Ten may get, you I know, don't... so on and so forth. But I just, I don't agree with seven.
3: I don't I think any too much. conference should have seven, honestly. I think seven is a very high – even – I don't know. Like, even with Big 12, I, like I said, I really – I don't think it's going to be seven because I think that they're going to be a little wary of letting all those teams in because last year when we had as many as we did, only West Virginia and Kansas made it. Like, to the right. And I get that and happens. But yeah,
0: so. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Um, I, I just I, – I don't – I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm at a loss. But Iowa State's a four seed. Kentucky's a four seed. You know, it, well, you know, it is what it is, I guess. But we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna have, we're still gonna keep you on, just gonna keep you here. We're just gonna talk more basketball for the rest of the hour, for the rest of the day. So y'all stay tuned. searching for
2: this truth here
1: See your gray world, black and white through the crowd like they were so it's showing true color when you take away the pigment yeah, When you take away the difference in it um. We splashing it all rivet and flying with no engine They run it with all Jimmy God Right about the blue like a sky fail Stay back, they
2: on like a am sniped Faded in the mind A non-five product of a time Soon navigates you new direction for the blind Twenty-four seven
1: battle get time with a six seventeen on the side Let it ride I hit Cali for the in and out Got the normal scene on a different route So they wonder what the kid about me from the fuse, never know it you live it out 90 minute winning from records that I was chicken on Living by the minute, don't gotta capture the image, ain't it dag? How me and music could get along New control mood switching with a different song And got Teddy on a level drop Dance gonna hit him like a chill pill pop Rhyme game pacing at the L-Kids jock I love it for what it is, ain't it for what it's not I'm no ass Go, go, mac no, no. atoms no. not, you not, them no. With the lights on my own, I set the stage. Through the balance of the tones, I, I get away. Through so the mind, the best, I can get away. The form's not where I'm to Yeah. Hey. I can get away. I'm not gonna i want to get
2: away.
1: on a getaway. getaway. Uh, new fellas ain't locking in. Uh, same bitch just dropping in. Uh, why you sound like i there Well, can't be the better jacket than blue lights on my own. I get away. New life, new stage, new life, new game, new price, same vision, new hype. If I can get away, I see squirrels. If I can get away.
0: Welcome back into the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine, and I'm here with the lovely, the vivacious, just talking with her, Miss Audrey Gunther. She's in the press box with me, Audrey.
3: (laughs) Well, thank you for kind words. But yeah, it's been fun. This has been a great conversation.
0: Definitely, definitely has, and. You know, one of the one of the big things that that we've been talking about is is college bas- basketball and Joe Linardi's bracketology and <clears throat> bracketology in a whole as a whole. Now, I know that that you got your thoughts about your top four seeds in each region. Why don't we start off with? Um, Let's think here. Let's start off with with the with the. Let's just work our way work our way out west back to the east. Um, why don't you start with the west and give me your top four seeds out of the, out of the west?
3: Okay. Um. I'm going. I'm looking at his now just to compare. I think he has North Carolina as the number one seed right now. Um. Going with what the other teams that are in. I don't. Again, like I think Oklahoma just I would swap that and make Oklahoma the number one, then UNC. Um and then for my three I would I probably I would agree with him with Oregon. I think Oregon's a really strong school in the West. Um they've had a really good season, quiet. I mean haven't had much talk about them, but def- I think this got, I'm looking at this and this is the the West seems pretty weak, honestly. Um uh and then I would try pro- I would do Cal over Kentucky as my fourth.
0: You know, and and I would agree, but I think I would move Kentucky to the Midwest and possibly bring like a Duke as a as a four C to the West instead of the Midwest. I mean if that kinda of makes sense.
3: No, I agree. I think you would I, I mean they just – it's really it's really weak right now. I think I think Oklahoma would have a really if this is how it was. I think Oklahoma would have a relatively easy run to the final four.
0: Uh, I would I would definitely agree, and you know we look at the we look like you said we look at the West and we see a lot of it's a lot of East and Midwest flavor to this, and it's a relatively weak. West, like you said, I mean, you're going to have the eventual match champion Akron here at 13, which I think that they should be 13 in the South. Hawaii should go to the Midwest. I mean, or Hawaii go to the West. I mean, it just, that just doesn't really sit well with me, per se.
2: Yeah, that but,
0: makes no sense. <clears throat> it makes no sense, but I, I kind of see where he where he's working with Akron there, but I, I would even make Akron a twelve seed if if that's the case. I mean, if you're going to do it in that in that way, because I mean, I would rather see Akron match up with a with a Cal more so than a Kentucky.
3: Oh yeah, I love twelve twelve and five matchups are my favorite. Um, but then again, I I think Cal and St Bonaventure would be a really good matchup too.
0: And I, I and I, I would agree. I mean, because I, I think that that the Bonnies actually can beat Michigan. I don't think Michigan. I think so too. I, I I think Michigan is probably that school that they're in because of the name. They're not in because of what they've done on the on, on the court.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think
0: agree. that's where that's where a lot of these where he's got these seven teams, especially from the of the power five conferences, he's got he's got seven teams. And I think he's got those seven teams in just on name recognition. I just I, I don't see I just especially don't see for, where Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: Especially in the no, you're fine. Especially in the A C C Big Ten, I think that like like we've been talking about with conferences and their strengths. I just think the ACC is really weak. I think that they could honestly do six, maybe even five, just um, with Notre Dame being on the bubble. But I think like definitely Miami and UNC, um deserve to be in UVA, Louisville. I, I guess Duke, whatever. But I mean, Duke's <coughs> ranked now, so I can't really say anything. But um, yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't think seven teams because. I don't, I don't know. I really don't think all seven of them, like, that's kind of unnecessary. ACC hasn't been – I mean, UVA is four right now, and that's their highest ranking. They normally always have someone from top three. I know four is close, but, I mean, Duke's normally always up there. And UNC, UNC's kind of dropped down a little bit. And um, I
0: would definitely agree with you on that. Definitely, definitely, definitely.
3: I'm looking at who he. I'm looking to see who he has from the Pac-10 because, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't even like I have Michigan on my last four out honestly. If they even make the tournament, I mean they're like, the conference they're ten seven. That's for the Big Ten that I feel like they could have done a lot better, but I don't know. They just I just think they're having a pretty mediocre year. Not as bad as like
0: Minnesota Rutgers or anything
3: like that. Oh, oh God, yes. <laughs> Rut- Rutgers rockers terrible at everything lately.
0: And I think and I think what it is, I mean, they're going through a transition now. You know, new AD is about to come in. They've already got a new football coach. Now, will they try to slash because they're in it in a big market? in the New York market will they try to splash and try to get a big name coach or will they just do what they've been doing and try to go after these mediocre guys who don't even need to be coaches?
3: I think it goes back to what we were talking about before where some schools you can put in the money and have a good basketball or football program or and football program, sorry. Or you can just forego one of those revenue sports and invest everything into Your one sport and I don't know really what direction Michigan is going to want to go with. I think that they have a good thing going for them with football right now. So I think it's just going to be whatever the AD decides he wants to do in that sense. I think if they want to be a good basketball school, they do need to bring in a good coach, but that is costly. And I don't know if Michigan is going to be willing to do that, but yeah, these like the coaches they have right now, I just, I don't think they're doing what they should be, what they're supposed to be doing, because Michigan yeah. should be doing better than they are right now.
0: Yeah, you know, with, with Coach Beeline there, I mean, granted, he's a great coach. I mean, he, he's good. But when you lose guys like Nick Stavskis and other guys to graduation, you kind of like go through that lull, like, like, we've, like we've said, with the Gonzagas and with the Wichita State's. But with this new Nike money that's coming in, starting in July, I think that maybe it is time to go out and try to splash the money that you want to splash. I mean... I
3: mean, that's what they need to do if they want, you know what I mean? Like, I think I agree with you. I think that if this is what, like, this is the time to do it. They have... The money they're gonna have the money I mean in July but they could definitely go out there and get someone good. I mean I agree with you this I, is the time. I mean,
0: but the but the better question is is who's really out there? I mean, that's who, true. I mean, <laughs> you can't really. I mean, I would have thought that a Shaka Smart would have been a perfect fit at Michigan. But I
3: think doing great at Texas, though. I mean, he's in Michigan time, or Texas.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and I would agree. And, like, as soon as the hire was made at Texas with Shaka Smart, I was like, wow. They've made two big splashes on coaches in the last two years. And big splashes. And now you're starting, I mean, the first year you're starting to see what Rick Barnes had on the table at Texas and what he couldn't mold that soccer smart is molding. I mean, (laughs) Barnes didn't leave the cupboard on either.
3: Yeah, he. I mean, Shaka is. I think he's gonna fall into the Brad Stevens school of really young coaches that are just phenomenal. And I think, I I think he's gonna eventually end up in the NBA and just do what Brad Stevens is doing now, and just to be able to take a team to another level. But I love him in college. Like I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. No, I, I
0: definitely um, agree with you. I
3: definitely agree with you. When they, when they, when I saw that they made the hire, I was like, shoot just because he like I mean Texas is also a very smart athletic department. I think that they've just been so good they understand their needs. And he's the kind of coach that can come in and just get players to change their game and he just he's a very he's just a really good coach. Like I think he can understand what players need to hear and what and how to motivate them to do well.
0: You know, and that's like one of the strengths that um the form the ADF VCU has said before when when uh, Shaka Smart was hired, he said that Shaka is a very good one-on-one coach. Like, he gets to know his players on a one-on-one level, on an individual basis. And then he coaches as a team. I mean, I think this is what this is equating to right now, if you're looking at the turmoil that Texas has had not just in basketball, but the entire athletic program around. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of of get-together now, or coming together, I should say.
3: Yeah, and I think, like, um, another great coach like that is Jay Wright from Villanova. I think just being able to make, especially for the schools that don't have one-and-dones, you need to create that team. You need to be able to coach a team. You need to be able to create, like, Get that camaraderie, and I think that he's someone that does it well. Brad Stevens is someone that did it well. Jay Wright does it well, and it's no, hard. I mean, not every coach can do that. It's a very you know, and, that's what makes him so valuable. It's a special skill.
0: And this is true. And, and going back to you, I mean, you being a, a West Virginia uh, student, this you know we're, we're talking about the younger coaches that that are that are dealing with the one and dones and and the developments. But we also look at a guy like Bob Huggins who came from a big-time program in Cincinnati who was full of one-and-dones. And now he's at West Virginia where you've had the mixture of both, where you've had some that could that could stay. He had some that could go. He's bringing that balance to West Virginia. And you can, you can tell that on the basketball court as well – as on the football field at West Virginia, it's just coming together. It's finally coming together.
3: I think it's funny you bring up football just because, Um, I mean, from a student standpoint, Dane is not very popular. But, I mean, like, I think that the football program has other issues just besides the coach. But I would definitely agree for basketball. um it's funny, I wasn't necessarily the biggest Bob Huggins fan before. Like, I actually – I've, like, met him a few times in person just because um, I'm a sport management major. So, like, whenever when I do stuff at, at athletic events, I've gotten to meet him. And he's a really great guy. And I think one of, like, my favorite moments with him was after we just recently lost to Oklahoma, just listening to him. Be able to – like, you could tell he was upset and took it incredibly personally, but just – I mean – like, uh, how he talked about the players, I think, you could tell he genuinely cares about them, and he was like, you know, they, they know what they need to do, like, because um the guy, like whoever was doing the radio show was kind of asking him really personal, like, not, I don't want to say attacking, but just Devin Williams had a poor game, and, they, and he was like, you know, like, everyone has a bad game, like, just kind of defending him. I think he really does care about the kids, and I think that they want to stay and do good for him, just because he is such a well-known and well-regarded coach, and, I mean, he's with, like, he's their coach. I think that he's really, that's why Juwan Satan say his senior year. I think that's why Devin Williams is probably going to say his senior year. Like,
2: mm-hmm. he's the
3: kind of coach that makes players want to be better just so that he, like, for them. You know what I mean? If that makes sense? This is very true.
0: This that is that very kind of true. No, this is very true,
3: and, you know, just like you, just like you
0: said, I mean, like, I, I, last year when I first saw uh, Stratton, which is he's he's the, he's a the big man, right? Um, uh,
3: he's no uh, Devin's the big guy with the goggles. Juan was yeah, uh, right. right. Of I want to say, he's like he was kind of smaller. Okay.
0: Like he, he he yeah. I, I I remember the goggles. I couldn't remember if he was the big guy <laughs> or a smaller guy, but yeah, I mean, like I always thought that he, I thought that he was going to come out, and then when he made the announcement, that he was going to come back. I I was, I was. Surprised, and I was also very happy because this is what college basketball needs. We, you know, we need that guy that will say, "Hey," I mean, I don't want to date myself, but we need that Peyton Manning guy who said, "You know, hey, I just want to come back to school. I love playing for my school," uh, and that—that's what I gathered out of that, and I think that. Maybe a lot of these other players who are on that cusp should should take a look and listen at, at a guy like him.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean it I think he also he I think um John's decision to say also uh-huh. was a lot of it was for Bob Huggins and just and mm-hmm. him understanding he's like the kind of guy that he like understood the value of getting a degree too, like not just being a basketball player, and I think a lot of times, like we talked about with coaching, I'm not sure the John Calipari's with Kentucky, like, constantly having one and done, are able to reach those kids and, and tell them how important it is to stay and, like, develop a relationship with their players. You
0: know, and I, and, and I agree, and, you know, I, I live in Alabama, and I I'm about 25 minutes away from the Auburn University campus, and I'm friends with a lot of the with a lot of the players on campus, basketball, baseball, football players. And a lot of these players, a lot of the football players especially, could have come out early. But there was a couple in particular that could have come out early, but they said that they wanted the degree. They wanted that. That was their identity was to get their degree because a lot of these kids are the first in their family to graduate college. Or graduate high school and they want to further themselves, and I think this is this is where what college sports for me is is the greatest the greatest sports in the world because you have those guys who are looking for an identity other than what the sport they play in. They're looking at the big picture and seeing what life is after sports, and it's just. I don't know. It's a special thing.
3: But yeah, um, I'm sure being from the Auburn area that I can't think of his name right now. The kid who's in the combine right now who left early just for, because his mother is homeless. We're talking about
0: Peyton Barber. Yeah. Peyton, yeah. Peyton, Peyton, Peyton Barber.
3: Yeah. He. So I mean, like, the, like that's also like I know, like that's kind of a different concept, just because like not he's leaving, so he's not getting that degree. But same thing. Like, it's. I think it's really special to see some of these kids who, and that's why I get incredibly defensive when people say that college athletes don't deserve the scholarships that they get and that they're just like dumb jocks because some of these kids are just so smart and so, and they just have an understanding that like they and just understand, some of these kids understand that their athletic abilities can be used for something much more than just selfish reasons and that they can get a degree, be the first person. Out of their family to go to college, and that matters to them. And I think there's a lot yeah. more of those kids out there than there are dumb kids who just want to be in the NBA and blow all their money and do stupid things.
0: And I and, and you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if you look at some of these players right now, I think there's like 20 players in the NFL. There's a couple of kids. There's like five or six players in the NBA, in the NBA and in the D League that are Ivy League educated, and they're not getting the recognition that they deserve because they're quote unquote too smart to play. Yeah. So they get this stigma of being, you know, because you've got this this education, you don't need to play sports. I mean, case in point. If you think if you think back to um, a few years back, Florida State had um, had a free safety by the name of Modern Roll, who was a Rhodes scholar. Yeah. And he took a year off. Was going to be a surefire draft pick in in that year's draft, but he waited a year and he comes back and he goes from being a surefire first second round draft pick. To being a seventh round draft pick, all because he's too smart. If that makes me, I mean, I don't understand that. But
3: and I, I just don't, don't, I don't like that either. Just because like the degree matters. Have you seen the Thirty for Thirty Broke by these
0: Yes, yes, and you, I think that you, every yes. athlete
3: should watch that before they go into the draft.
0: Yes, and you I know, think that. I just, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Sorry,
0: you go. No, you go. Okay. So, I mean, you you think about this as well. Um, The NFL, they do a rookie symposium where they basically tell you, they're basically, you're basically in a classroom and they're telling you to be smart with your money, make wise decisions. Don't let people tell you, dictate to you how you live your life in a way that's going to make you broke. I mean, educate yourself. I think that's a better way of putting it. And I think that some of these other sports, I mean, you don't hear it as much in hockey, but in the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, you see it. And I think that they should, that all these major sports should have those symposiums. So that way these kids who are coming out of college don't get caught up in the hype of what their name is, and what they're going to be. Almost as like the LeBron James effect, if you if you look at it from that standpoint.
2: Yeah,
3: I think, I just think it's a lot of money to give. Like, I mean, like, I'm older than um, Jill Okafor, and the amount of money he makes, like, I don't know if I could be able to handle making that much money when I'm 20 years old. Like, it's just, it's a lot of money, and I don't think, a lot of people are prepared. It's like when you win the lottery, like you, like the the mega million whatever winners. Like it's just a lot of money and people don't, like anyone wouldn't be able to handle it, but especially a 20-something-year-old.
0: Oh, yeah, but definitely not.
3: I think going back to hockey really quick, everything that happened with Patrick Kane um, earlier this year is also just a way, that, like it just kind of shows, and I think it should be a lesson to players just like, to just be careful with your decisions and know that people will do that. Like that whole situation was, I can't even like, it makes me so mad talking about it because I just, it, it's like just disgusts me, honestly, the fact that someone yeah. would even try and do that, like and fabricate that story is disgusting. But I think that people do, there's people out there that do it all the time, that try and do it all the time, that try and take advantage of athletes. And that's another, it's just the lifestyle of being an athlete. You're um, constantly surrounded. You can do whatever you want. So, I think a lot of times players can get caught up in situations where true or not they're put in positions where they're being accused of things that they may or may not have done.
0: And I and I definitely agree with you and, and you know I Kainer is a he's a great guy and in emailing him and and tweeting with him back and forth like we have in, in the past on my other Twitter feed. He is one of those guys that he loves what he what he does, and but sometimes he can get caught up in the moment. And you know when you get yourself caught up in something like that, even though it is fabricated, it does put you in a bad light. And I think that's why oh, yeah, he sold on. himself into in, into the game now. I mean, leading scorer in the league. I mean, he's gonna break a hundred points before before uh, April. I mean, before playoff time. So, I mean, it's just it's sad.
3: Yeah, and I think there were people that I um I remember reading about people that were appalled that he was even like still on the Blackhawks roster. Like, and I I get like that is a very terrible thing. Like, but you have to hear both sides of the story, and it's just it's crazy to me how. And I mean, it's, it's. I'm happy for him that, he finds, that he's able, that Patrick Kane's doing so well this year, that he's able mm-hmm. to play behind him. But it happens all the time. I mean, and the hockey is very, not just in hockey, more than anything, basketball. So it's like NBA, in the NBA.
0: hmm. I mean, and because of the, the travel schedules that you see in both the NBA and NHL, you, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't heard it more from the NHL than you have the, the NBA. Because of the cold weather cities that that a lot of these (laughs) NHL teams play in. It's just, it's awful in a sense, but it's also annoying when to just shut it down and just be a man and just mature.
3: Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, and I think just immaturity is something that like you like that can't necessarily be taught. It's just something that like you have to kind of grow into. If that makes any sense, and that's why that's it where I think it all comes. It all comes back to saying it's cool, like this is all just this saying, and just like one extra year, I think can definitely, like, just make an athlete so much more mature, like, as a play, and just more dynamic as a player, too, like, looking past personal maturity issues, just, I don't know, I really just don't see the benefit in leaving one year early, except, like, if you have a situation going on, or, like, I mean, injuries happen, but the chances of those happening are so small.
0: Exactly, and, you know, in that that rare case where you've already gotten your degree and you've already accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish in school. I think that's the other, that's the other way of put looking at it as well. But like I said, n- not a lot of people look at college sports the way that we do. And I guess it's because we're on the outside as opposed to being on the inside. If that makes yeah. sense.
3: No, I think, I agree with you. I think I think we're also both people that look at it more than just a game. Like I think we both like I I'm a person that just kind of naturally gets invested in like whatever. Like so I like I will look at the players and I don't want to say I take things like personally, but I like like I always like root for the player who is going to enter the league because he wants to help his mom because she's in a mm-hmm. financial situation. Or Joey King, banking all of Minnesota's fans for constantly coming out despite not winning until like the other day, like after they won their first in-conference game. Like I think we're both the kind of people that root for that. I root for the athletes, not necessarily the NCAA. Like I almost said the man, but like hey, I, I think we both that, that, advocate. That's for what us. I think of the ACA right now.
0: Because, yeah, I
2: know.
0: <laughs> I mean, and I think I started feeling that way when the whole Miles Brand situation came about, you know, and it was just so, it was so difficult to even think about like, what, what, what did you, what were you thinking when you said the things that you say, you know, or what were you thinking when you, when you tried to make all these regulations? I mean, yes, we all talk about, um, should players get paid? I think they should get some sort of stipend.
3: You yeah, know? but not like a paid salary.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I mean, like, it's like it's like going back to the to the whole Ed and Charles O'Bannon situation. <laughs> I like, I really hate those guys. <laughs> I mean, I thought they were. I mean, I thought Charles O'Bannon was a was just a horrible college basketball player, and I think Ed O'Bannon took advantage of of the situation because he was often injured and he invested his money in the things that he shouldn't have invested himself in and he made himself broke. And I think that's the
3: same situation with UNC and their whole unraveling with players – doing with players not receiving real degrees and being upset about it why are you coming forward now when you knew that it was wrong at the time when you were an athlete?
0: Yeah, exactly because you were getting paid <laughs> I mean like like Deshaun Mays and I, I can't even remember the other guy's name by chance but they were all on that national championship team and um, matter of fact I think he dated Khloe Kardashian at one point but you know <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it goes back to that as well. I mean, it's just, why are you talking about it now? You should have, you should have been the whistleblower then.
3: Yeah. It's, it all goes back to not players not getting what they want. Like, and not like getting, like financially not getting what they want and like not getting a degree and having, doing nothing basically.
0: Or you, you gotta call, you gotta, a pro career going, and you really aren't that great of a pro player.
3: Yeah, it's so people just taking advantage better. of a broken system. I mean, so going back to pay, players getting paid, I think just like in school, that's always an argument um, that we talk about because it's, it's people are so divided over it, it's crazy. But, um, like, I personally don't think that a player should – get a paid salary because I don't think there's a way like I don't think any athletic department no matter how much money they're bringing in is going to be able to sustain all paying varsity sports and I don't think it's necessarily fair that only football players are getting paid when you know the tennis team has to practice just as hard as they do just be like I don't think there's any way to distribute it to make it equal that everyone is happy and I think that even trying is just kind of opening up a can of worms, but I do think that they should get something when they leave, like a stipend after for like you work I mean that's how graduate assistantships are. Um you know, like they they pay you to go to school and then they give you money like at the um you get like a semester stipend.
0: Right and, because and you're you working that. for the school. And you get that at the at the end of the off season at the off season of that particular sport, is that correct?
3: Um I well, like I mean, this is just like a school, like a graduate. Assi- yeah, I guess, like I get, it, I would get it at the end. But so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you get it after you're done with your service.
0: So I mean, I I, I don't. Uh, I mean, with that, I mean, jersey sales, the number that they wear, things of that nature. I can see where, where you would get a stipend from that. I mean, I can see where, you would get something. I mean, the NCAA and those schools were getting so much money from the video games like the basketball game and the football game for using their licenses and using all the jerseys that they were using but again, because the players weren't getting paid, you know they were getting paid in the in a sense because they were getting an education, and not only were they getting an education they i mean. The kids who played there took advantage of that, whereas some didn't.
3: I mean, it's definitely, like, I'm not a college athlete, so I can't speak for how difficult it is to balance being, like, being an athlete and being in school. But one of my really good friends who is in my major is on the football team. He was a walk-on. He has a full-time internship. He has, like, a three seven in school right now, and he's graduating a full year early while he's been on the football team every year at school. So it, it's possible. It happens. Like, I mean, it takes a lot of work. There was a girl on our basketball team. She graduated last year. She had two different engineering
2: degrees while being wow. in one
3: basketball. But yeah, yeah. It was
2: crazy.
3: Um, and, you know, like, regardless of what she's doing, whether she's going to be in the WMEA overseas or, you know, being an engineer and making – Probably more money doing that than being in the WNBA. Athlete, like, yes. yeah. So I, think, I don't know. I think at the time a lot of players just have this mindset that I don't need to work because I'm an athlete and this will I'll make it one day. Well, if you look at how many athletes actually make it, it's so it's so small. It's ridiculous.
0: I would agree. And, I, and you know, is what one in two point seven eight million. Yeah. Or something like that. I mean,
3: like yeah, like it's so. I mean, I think like if you're lucky enough to be a college athlete, because again, the the amount of people that go from the high from high school to college is so small too. Like, why wouldn't you take advantage of it?
0: I would agree. I would definitely agree. And
3: I mean, I and I'm in a, I'm in class with a lot of the guys on the basketball team right now because they're all in my major. And like, I mean, they they're you definitely see. I'm not obviously I can't name names, but you see the ones that. Come in, do what they're supposed to do, and sit in the front. And just, I mean, if they're not taking notes, just being present in the class. And then you see the ones that are sleeping.
0: So. Wow.
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's there. It definitely happens, and I'm not a West Virginia thing. It's and it's a Division One college thing. It happens that, I mean, look at Cardell Jones and his famous tweet that I laugh at every single time I uh-huh. hear him. <laughs> Like. Perfect example of just it's an entitled it's a it's being entitled I think it's more of an entitlement problem and I don't think it's every athlete
0: and I would agree and and, no that's the sad thing and the sad thing about Cardell Jones is is that he actually had a pretty good GPA coming in when he said that as well I mean he had like a 3.0 GPA according to um, some of the some of the students that that have had classes with him. And he's actually a very studious guy. But for him to make that comment <laughs> and having that kind of GPA actually shows the actual mindset of the college athlete that that fits this, the quote-unquote stereotype.
3: Yeah, and, and I didn't realize his GPA was that high. So, like, I don't know. Like, if I – I mean – I, I actually really like Cardell Jones. Like, I think he's, he, I mean, he's a clown. He's kind of an idiot, like, in terms of, like, not censoring <laughs> himself. But
2: right. like, he's,
3: a, he's a good football player. Like, I'm excited to see what's going to happen um, next after he's done with Ohio State. But, um, like, yeah, like, I think that this is almost like just, it's like, really, you're going to fuel that stereotype. Like, you don't hear it enough. <laughs>
0: but, exactly, exactly. And we have a couple more minutes on the air. And, um Audrey, I want to thank you very, very much for being a part of the show today, and hopefully, oh, my hopefully we can do this again. Um, hey, how can people yeah, reach you? <laughs> um, I
3: my personal Twitter is, um, I hate saying this out loud because it sounds weird. It's at Audj Gunt G U N T H. It's just my full name shortened. Um. But we, you've been retweeting it, like you've been tweeting it, and we've been retweeting each other all day. So even right. just popping on your your Twitter is probably the best bet. Um all right. I'm also a writer at Per Sources Sports, and that Twitter handle is just Per Sources 14, I believe. And that's right. where, if anyone's interested in reading my articles, that's where they get like retweeted. Mhm. And i write and... about Philly really sports and college sports. Cool, cool.
0: And again, a special thank you to to Audrey Gunther. Um, special thanks to all everybody that supports me as well. And we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. And y'all have a great weekend. And again, let's go tailgating.
3: Thank you for bringing me on again, and thank you for everyone listening. Please feel free to reach out to me. I love talking to everyone about sports. So.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Y'all have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, see, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to Yeah You know, sometimes I look around and I think like Maybe I am out here on my own yeah. Gotta find something you can't me. Oh, I can't? You can't save me, no. But I can try,
2: right?
1: <laughs> yeah
2: I, I But what then? You know that ain't so bad.
1: Yeah, I sold a girl, I love her, you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy and then I turned to a man on my own. The long walk for the pack, moving through hella crap. Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around. And the summer I'm falling for you is going down. Yeah, Staying stuck in a season of mine. And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind. Think I'm the one that that's just something I'm reaching to find. Out of control, but yo, that shit that i still been denying. Yeah, the light's down, but we staying up. And looking back where I started, my only way is up. Waited a world, but I lived it before the weight is up. And still myself the one and only that I came to trust. Now that's some crazy luck. Yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit Yeah uh, And she just keeps saying You can't rescue me Oh no? Nah. You can't save me, no You know what, maybe you are right But well, what you gonna do Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought realistic. Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it. Said only I can reach it. And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone, I'll be here in spirit so you can hear this. Yeah. What well, these rappers stuck on the same product. Tell him, forget them, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it. Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it. Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it. Friday Shot. Whipping through the horizon my time and it's something better than it's ever been. They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz. It pops alive and I'm here to show you the evidence. Back to the wall where I started back in the day. I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight. Trying to show to all those around me that I can stand on my own. Now I swear I'm afraid of nothing. I'm screaming after the phone. While well, I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal. How I ran up the standards of how we living. It's funny they pull the camera. picture how I'ma get it. When years I've been in my zone and you just